Welcome back to Walking Points Podcast. This is not Ian Stake. This is Dale Tedder, but I'm here with Ian Stake, and we are here for podcast episode number 11. How you doing today, Ian? I'm great. 11. That's amazing. I'm excited about that. And uh, I have uh, I have deceived Ian today. Uh-oh. Uh, that's why I'm starting out introducing the podcast today. We uh, began last week talking about uh, salt and light, Matthew five thirteen through 16. And um, we, we really kind of camped out with what it means to be the salt of the earth that Jesus was talking about. And so that was a great conversation. And as I was, I was walking out last week, I said, you know, I've to myself, I said, Ian is very um, loath to talk about himself. And so I thought, I'm going to blindside him this week and uh-huh. make him talk about himself. Ian, uh-huh. come back in the room. Uh, <laughs> but um, Ian's got a great uh, ministry called Amplify. Many of you, if you know Ian, know about that. And I wanted to connect it to Salt and Light because I thought, um, you know, like what you're doing with the elementary kids next door. And then what, I think you had a meeting last week, right, to talk about some more opportunities. So I thought we could kind of do a both end where we talk about what it means to be salt. And we talked about that last week, but, you know, salt last week, light this week. And maybe you could just share about what, how you guys are bringing that in because you're reaching you know, you're not going to the church. I mean, I know you have ministries within the church, but uh, into Christian communities, but you're also going to the public school. And so, you know, I'd love to just hear the story. You could share with everyone about what Amplify is and how it got started, what kind of where you feel like you're headed with that, um, and then what you're doing now that kind of incorporates this idea of salt and light. <laughs> so, sure. bam. Uh, there you- <laughs> um. Well, uh, so what Dale's talking about is I head up a nonprofit called Amplify Inc. And uh, we started actually right in um, the Inwood House about 11 years ago. I remember. uh, Which is on campus here at Southside Methodist. And uh, we just felt a call to reach out to a young generation, particularly through music. And uh, we have continued to do that. And our tagline is empower young lives through music and technology, which we feel we can reach kids right where they are through the medium of music and um, we've been doing that in many ways so we uh, after school programs we mentor young artists so a lot of our artists uh, they could be a worship leader on Sunday and on Wednesday night they may be in downtown playing in some restaurant or bar or they're just being that light in the world so we really um, encourage them throw gas on their fire and give them the resources to excel and distribute their music. So the after-school program does, I think, like what you're pressing into is the idea of not waiting for folks to come to us. We go to where they are, right. and we target uh, some schools that are probably in most need, and um, we use the, the tool of music to uh, build relationships with kids and empower them. And It's a lot of fun. So it's pressing into, I think, where we're going with this whole idea right. of being the salt and being the light, and what does that look like? Yeah, I, we had the kids over on one of our Wednesday evening programs right. um, from next door at the elementary school that's right next door to our church, and uh, you've been working with them all semester long on some technology and music and putting together their own, uh, what would you even call it? 
what are they putting together? <laughs> <clears throat> what was that? No, but well, they, um, well, there's some things that, that I thought that'd be cool for a podcast, you know, beginning. Uh-huh. Some of those kids were really creative. I liked a lot of it. Right. We, we use uh, a computer program and we take over a whole classroom. And then after the extended day program in public schools, and uh, we teach them how to create and compose music so they understand basic music theory. But at the end of the day, they've learned how to compose songs and work together and a lot of things that we have as goals but yeah they so they shared their music they had created it was great (laughs) they were but you know it was they were so proud of it when i was watching their faces when their when their song or not song their tune their their composition right the world premiere that's their art yeah i mean their faces just would light up yeah and it was really neat now something i guess i didn't know i mean i knew you were mentoring young artists and just encouraging them, throwing fire, I mean, throwing gas on the fire, as you were saying. But then they go, they just go everywhere, don't they, and play. Now, I just thought that's, I mean, I know they're not, well, maybe I'm wrong. I was going to say, I know they're not playing gospel music in a bar, um, but they're being present there. And um, have you ever gotten any feedback from them about how, um, any salt or light sort of issues come out of those opportunities? Oh, all the time, because uh, we work with about uh, 10 different artists currently, everything from singer-songwriters, country, hip-hop, gospel, uh, you name it. So they're performing in all kinds of scenarios, and sometimes it's in a church where they're having those moments where it's clear what's happening, or sometimes they're in a place least likely where mm-hmm. it's um, obvious that them being in that spot is um, may be a little uh, unorthodox, but it really is a great place for them to be the salt and the light right in the midst of where maybe the church wouldn't necessarily be. Right. But that's really where the church is going. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, to me, that's just a great example of salt and light of what Jesus is talking about. I know a lot of, well, I don't know if it's a lot, but a good number of pastors that I know personally, and then just things that I've read online and in uh, different magazines talk about pastors who will go into the the local watering hole, so to speak, and and they put together what they have, you know, theology on tap mm-hmm. is a lot of times what they call it, where they just go and it's just a place where they can get a conversation going about right. everything from the gospel to tough questions people ask about Christianity or really life in general. And I guess perhaps the uh, the beverages that are served helps lower resistance to those <laughs> conversations. Right. But um, I've got a friend who who went and just he knew the owner, and he just stood up in the middle and said, "Hey, I'm going to be over here on the corner talking about X, Y, and Z. Love to have you." And he said he had a big crowd that came <laughs> over, and it was just sort of rapid fire, you know, conversation. Right, and I think. Um... So wherever that place is, I mean, it doesn't have to be a bar, wherever, as we're going to talk about, if we have a clear understanding of being the salt and the light and Jesus proclaiming that over us, um, he then also gives us guidance by the Holy Spirit to, okay, so I'm going to show you where that's going to be relevant with you and lead us into places of darkness where the light has relevance, right? Yeah. You and I have been talking about, uh, even before we started today, what does it mean to extend the reach our reach as christians but the reach of the gospel you know whether it's online 
something like a podcast here, um, going into just a variety of secular settings or some Christian settings, um, just all the different ways that can look. Right. And it's sort of a, it, it'll look different according to our gifts and our calling and opportunities and things like that. But it's exciting. Uh, sometimes I'm, I'm about 100 years old in my heart, I think, sometimes, and I can get really stuck. You're, you're wise. You're wise. <laughs> I'm not sure my family would agree. But I can get stuck and, you know, just look too much to the past instead of looking to the future. But it is exciting. I mean, in spite of all the, the lousy things we could talk about the rest of the day about what's going on in the world, gospel opportunities, I think they're also growing exponentially. And so that's exciting. They, oh, they are. Absolutely. There's no shortage of opportunity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, do you have the scripture in front of you? Yeah, we're doing uh, 13, or are we going on 14? Why don't we go ahead and read 13 through 16, and then we'll just kind of hover and talk sure, about Sure, this 14. is out of Matthew chapter 13 through 16, and this is Jesus speaking here, the Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I love I love that text. We were talking about that oh, last week. Um, verse thirteen. You know, we talked about last week about salt, and salt, of course, adds flavor to food, um, but it's also um, it has a, a preservative power to it to keep food from rotting quickly. You know, and so we talked about how Christians. You know, we can certainly add flavor to our world, you know, the flavor of Christ, but um, also um, kind of fight off that decaying power of the culture. Um, you know, there's so many really bad things that we, like I said, we could talk about forever. And it's great, you know, you just gave some great examples of these young artists who are going in and I know it's a variety of different settings they go into, but they have an opportunity to be positive in a gospel sort of way, even, again, if it's not, you know, the um, five spiritual laws or three spiritual laws or whatever, they can still represent Christ well in that setting, and then, you know, future conversation can happen after that. It's a big idea, isn't it, that thinking that salt, if you just literally think about the, the property of salt, is salt in a situation, and it's not necessarily thinking about, wow, I wonder how I'm impacting um, this food, salt is being salt. So <laughs> I guess there's a difference between salt and being salty, you know, right. sort of like, <laughs> right, right. it's, you know, like too much. But by our very presence, as we are in relationships, um, maybe we underestimate like, wow, there is something going on because we believe that God lives within us and right. is doing something with the people around us. So there's great things happening. Sometimes we see it and sometimes we don't. Yeah, I mean, and what we were mentioning last week is Jesus says, it's not a matter of if, you are salt. Yeah. I mean, you are light because of these beatitudes, because of being new creatures in Christ, because like you were just saying, because I dwell in you. 
Right. He may not say that here, but he certainly says it elsewhere. This is who you are. And it's not like, and sometimes you're salt. Right. <laughs> right. Or today, try to be salt. Now you are. And uh, then last week we talked about, but we can become diluted mm-hmm. if we let too much of the world in, and therefore we don't have the that that power. <laughs> what was that? Uh, we don't have that same flavor, that same ability if we're too diluted by right. the world around us. And right. so it's it's good to um, make sure our primary influence in our own lives is Christ um, so that that will give us that And how do you think saltiness. that that, how, how do we keep our saltiness? Well, I, you know, it's at the risk of being simplistic. I do I'm think all about that. I do think the answer is simple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, we have to be in the word. Right. Uh, one of my go-to scriptures is, you know, Romans 12, 2, about don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That's good. And that's just a go-to for me because, I mean, it's just really clear. And um, the old J.B. Phillips translation from the 1960s, I think is when he did it, for that verse, which people still use a lot today to to, to read that verse, is, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Mm-hmm. And so we are not conformed to the world around us. We're not diluted by the world around us, but we're transformed. But that's that's mind renewal. You know, it has to happen. Um, the old translation, uh, as a man thinks, so is he. You know, mm-hmm. that thinking process happens. I mean, first and foremost is a changed heart right. by being born again. But that thinking will drive our acting or our thinking will drive our doing um, so that if we are going to live Christianly, it's really, um, that's born out of thinking Christianly, right? which is one of my favorite phrases because we are so diluted by the world because the world is just coming into our, uh, our lives in a thousand different ways a day. And if that is the only influence in our lives, um, then we're going to look a whole lot like the world and not make a difference for Christ. Right. And it, I can even and take it down. I can even make it simpler. <laughs> 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 that you know, what goes in is what comes out. And if we're spending um, hours on end listening to um, newsfeed or CNN or Fox News or whatever it is, right. um, there's a certain sense of anxiety that's being built up. Yeah. And we start to live that way or yeah. speak that way and think that way. And um, conversely, if we're really spending time alone with God, um, there's always good dividend out of that, isn't there? Yeah. Well, it's that whole Philippians 4 thing, you know, whatever is this, what are, you know, beautiful and admirable right. and that, you know, think on these things. Uh, it's all garbage in, garbage out. Right. But also holiness in, holiness out. Yeah. You know, the things of God in, hopefully the things of God out. So, um, yeah, that's really an important, I mean, but it's, and it's more than that. It's doing it in community. It's, you know, certainly prayer. I mean, that needs to be, but it's it's corporate worship, gathering together with brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, other Christians on um, on Sunday mornings, certainly, when we gather and we sing together and we pray together, we hear scripture read and preached and communion. I mean, really, we could just have a whole, you know, study on the means of grace, but if you're just sort of phoning that in every now and then, or certainly if you're not doing it at all, then 
it's going to be hard to keep that saltiness right. and that light um, because you're going to really you are going to be diluted. And here's the thing about it: you probably won't even see it. Yeah, it'll be something. Very subtle. It'll be so subtle that you will. It's like swimming in the ocean. I think we've even talked about this. If you're swimming in the middle of the ocean and you're just trading water, well, guess what? You're moving whether you think you are or not. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're moving wherever the currents are, are taking you. And I think the same is true with being a Christian. If you're not paddling as hard as you can in a Godward direction, the culture will move you where it wants. Mm-hmm. And you will be so far away from where you originally started if you're not being really intentional and moving in a you know a Christ-like direction. So, um, well, hey, tell me a little more about yeah. um, if we really understand ourselves as the light. Yeah, light is such a powerful image. Yeah. Um, well, light is, gosh, if of all the metaphors throughout Scripture, both Old and New Testament, um, God, God's Word, Christ, we're they're being referred to as light constantly and so it's the idea that um i think I, I can't remember where the apostle paul uses the phrase but it's you know the idea that it's sort of like a kingdom of darkness that we live in um not trying to be too melodramatic but that's the language of scripture is that this world is a dark place and so it needs the light of christ shining on it um so that we can follow him. I mean, he is the light. It's interesting in the book of Revelation, it it says there won't be any need for a sun because God is the light. Mm-hmm. That you know, so we won't have to have you know the sunshine um, around us or light bulbs and things like that because the light of Christ, the light of God, will be all we need for that. And I just so we, you know, I guess you could look at it different ways. You know, when it's pitch black and we don't see that much, and you know, if you live in the city. There's some sort of residual light that's always around. But if you've been out in the woods camping, hiking, or something at night, you, know, you can't see your hand in front of your face. Right. And so, I mean, you just you can bump into things. It can be dangerous. Things can get you. I mean, there's all sorts of things that can happen. And what's amazing is just a little bit of light, tiniest bit, really makes a big difference. And um, I know at the risk of embarrassing my children, you know, when they were young and had night lights and things like that. I mean, that light, I don't know what the power of that bulb is, but it wasn't much. Mm-hmm. But in a really dark room, it made enough. That's a great analogy. Yeah. And right? so they, and so, you know, there's that, but there's also the, um, you know, dark darkness also represents evil in scripture. And so um, as Christians, we don't want to. We want to. We want to be the light to a world that is dark, um, and and shed shed light in places where people are scared, um, where people are afraid, where people, you know. And I sometimes we have to stand against injustice and ungodliness, not in a judgmental "we're better than you" sort of way, but you know we're called to do that. Uh, certainly, the minor prophets and well, all the prophets for that matter did that, um, and Jesus. You know, he stood up against that sort of thing all the time. And so I think we have to, you know, I guess we pick our battles according to where we're called and things like that. But that's I think that's also part of it. So we don't want to hide our light, but it doesn't have to be grandiose. It can be just everyday living. Well, that's uh, probably the, the biggest. Uh, well, imagine this. If all folks 
who are believers and followers, if they truly understood themselves as the light that is this light of hope that brings a whole different perspective on things, and when light comes, darkness flees, that kind of um, big understanding of the power of light, what if we all let our light shine bright so that others could see the um, not necessarily our good works like we're really great at things or our lives are all together, but it really points to the one who has made it right with us, and that's right. the, the grace of Jesus. And so um, what, what it's imagine, whether it's a, a Tuesday afternoon and it's a young mom trying to keep four kids, you know, uh, the household together or um, wherever that situation is, if we had a clear understanding of God is shining his light, it's not even about how good we're at it. Right. Are we allowing God's love and light to shine to all the people around us? Good things happen. And fear, oftentimes equated with this darkness, mm-hmm. uh, f- fear has to leave because now there's things are illuminated. Right. Well, it's interesting, you know, talking about the everydayness mm-hmm. of, of, these, uh, of being light and these good works. You know, John Stott talks about Absolutely, good works mean you know, works of mercy and compassion. You know, it can be on a big scale, but it can be loving your, not just your neighbor, but your next door neighbor, or offering a word of encouragement. But he he ties that in. He says it's it is good works, but it's also good words. You know, a word timely spoken to build somebody up who's down, or to offer hope when they feel nothing but despair. I mean, those are good works. Um, if you're you know, being attacked by somebody, you know, verbally, maybe you're, someone's beating you up verbally or something, and you don't respond in kind, you know, but return love and, and forgiveness. And I mean, that's a good work. Yeah. And as you were saying, the whole point of all this quote unquote good work is so that God gets to glory, not us. We're not doing it so people will think well of us. We want think people to think well of God. And Jesus says, you know, um, that will give glory to your Father in heaven. And people will end. So I believe that's just one more way in which God draws people to himself. Right. When they see that kind of real life, ordinary life, sort of um, godly living, what we would call good works, things like that. Yeah, so it's a. these are all big ideas. And they're really just clarifications of the identity now given to us by Jesus. Right. And so it's not something we're trying to be the salt or trying to be light. <laughs> He's saying, no, you are the salt. Right. You are the light. And I guess the more we understand ourselves as that and know that it's God himself living out the gracefulness, like you, you mentioned those good works, he'll give us the grace to be compassionate when it may seem hard or to respond with love and mercy when we're not being loved or you know, to respond yeah. um, sort of contrary to what the situation dictates. I just read a quote, and we need to close here in a second, but um, the author said, uh, without a doubt, it is a good work for people who are called during the summer to go to another country to feed those in need. He said, but it's also a good work to feed your own family and to be a part of the local church and to be in ministry alongside them where you are so it's not a matter of either or it's a matter of calling and where god is you know calling you and gifting you in your life and i just think that we have a 
you know, we have an opportunity to shine the light of Christ in our every ordinary, everyday, ordinary lives. And then we certainly, God calls some to do it on a grand scale, you know, or a bigger scale. Or, right. And so I just think we need to, to value both of those perspectives and quit holding them up against each other. But realizing God, you know, it's kind of the, the imagery of Paul with the body. You know, we need thumbs, yeah. we need noses, <laughs> we right. need ears, we need all that, and all of it shedding the light on Christ. All right, Dale. Well, those are some great words about uh, being the salt and being the light of the world. That's big ideas. So I encourage uh, all of us to take a closer look at that if we understand ourselves in that light, no pun intended, <laughs> but if we see ourselves like that. So uh, thank you for joining us this week. And next week, we're going to be pressing into what, Dale? I think, well, the follow-up scripture is uh, verses 17 through 20, and it's where Jesus is saying, you know, I didn't come to get rid of the Old Testament. Uh, the law, I came to fulfill it, fulfill it, and that may sound very abstract and philosophical, but you know I hope that next week we can show how extremely practical that really is um, as Christians, right. that we're whole Bible Christians and not just New Testament Christians, and so we'll sort of look at that next week. Oh, good point, good point. Well, I look forward to that, and I hope you can join us again for episode twelve next week for Walking Points, and uh, so glad you could join us this week. Have a great week. Bye bye. Thank you.